Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. That's me. I'm Adol Kazilski and very excited to be with you this Monday afternoon to spend a little bit of time learning Torah. Uh, the world is in turmoil and one of the best ways that we sort out turmoil is by learning Torah because Torah brings peace to the world. So all of you that are able, if you can, if you are sitting somewhere, you're not driving around and uh, most of us should be sitting um, in our homes right now, take out a Bible, take out a Chumash. We are studying the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 26 and we are going to start the first verse. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating discussion. Love you to be part of it. You can SMS on 34519 or 061 895 1019. Now, just as a pickup from last week, we were learning about the selling of the birthright that uh, that uh, Asav did. He sold his birthright to Yaakov, and all the repercussions that came with selling that birthright, the repercussions which we still suffer suffer and have advantage of to this very day. If you missed that, it's podcasted. Don't be shy. Go back and listen to it. We are now seemingly, it, it looks in the Chumash as if we are taking a break from the narrative of Yitzchak and um, of Esav and Yaakov, and we are going to find out what is actually happening in the lives of Yitzhak and Rivka, the parents of Jacob and Esau, what what is happening with them? And we don't really hear as much about them as we we did about Abraham. And certainly, when it comes to Yaakov, we're going to hear a lot about his personal life. We don't hear a tremendous amount about Yitzhak. And it's very very interesting to actually try follow what was happening in the life of Yitzhak. Because Yitzhak was very, very different. Isaac was very, very different to his grandfather Abraham and to his son Yaakov. And what made him very different was that he was called a korban tmima. He was a, 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 a pure sacrifice. He, he came to the point, as we learned um, a few uh, parashiot back, he was sacrificed, almost sacrificed to God. We do not believe in child sacrifice. And it was only a test that Abraham had to go through, but he was he was prepared to give up his life for God. And so when it, when we look at our three forefathers, Yitzchok stands out as the purest, as the most holy, as the most connected, and as the, as the most internal of the three forefathers. Abraham was a man of kindness. He went out to change the world, and change the world he did. And Yaakov then went into exile, gave birth to all his kids in exile, and um, then came back to the land of Israel. The only, only forefather that does not leave the land of Israel is, in fact, Yitzhak. And we're going to see why now, how he was about to leave the land, and how God tells him to remain in the land, because he is a conduit for, for, for holiness, for God flowing through him, and in his purity he should not be... 
what's the word? He, he shouldn't. He, he, he shouldn't be blemished by going outside the land of Israel. By the way, that is a concept that um, many people feel that once you go and you live in the land of Israel, you shouldn't leave it unless for an emergency. There is a holiness about it, and one doesn't go down in holiness. One only stays or goes up in holiness. So for those of you that have a Chumash, a, a, a book with you, a, a Bible, we're on Genesis chapter 26. We're in the Parsha of Toldot. So we're in Perik Chof uh, Bob. We're in Pasuk Aleph. And we are going to follow the life now of Yitzchak and Rivka, which reads as follows. Vayehi Ra'av Ba'aretz. Milvad harav harishon Abraham. Now there happened to be now a famine in the land. Worse than the famine that was found in the days of Abraham. Now we know when there was a famine in the land and it was a test for Abraham, and so this too is a test for Yitzvah. When there was a test for Abraham, what did he do? He picked up his wife. And they moved to Egypt. They went to Egypt in order so that they could survive during the famine. And we know the whole famous story there, that Paro saw the beauty of Sarah, and he brought her into his palace, and uh, he was going to live with her. He was stricken with, uh, with, with a terrible disease from God, and then he got really cross with Abraham, and he said, why did you tell me that it was your sister um, and not your wife? etc., etc. And uh, if you recall again, Abraham did that because he knew that if he told the Egyptians that Sarah was in fact his wife, they would have just summarily killed him because that was the way of the world. You know, today, unfortunately, very, very sadly, we just commit adultery. In those days, they did worse. They just murdered um, the partner, whoever they were interested in, and they moved on. So, we're having a similar situation now. There was a famine in the land. Aside from the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, um, it was the second famine in the land from the time of Abraham, but um, we know it was the fourth famine that was brought upon the world since the time of creation. Um, so what, is, what does he do? He leaves Hebron. Remember, he's sitting in Hebron, um, he's there where his father had lived. And so he leaves Hebron, and he actually has intention to leave the country, but he passes through the city, the, 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 the region of the Plishtim, of the Philistines, um, whose king was Abimelech, in a city called Gerar. And this is not unfamiliar for us as well, because there is a point in time with Abraham too, that he goes and he dwells amongst um, Abimelech, the king of Grar. So, initially, Yitzchak remembered the famine in the time of Abraham. He remembered that Abraham had gone to Egypt. He, in fact, Abraham became very wealthy there. And so now, what we see is that Yitzchak tries to emulate his father. Okay, And so, that is why he starts moving through the Plishtim down to the, the city of Grar. Vayera elav Hashem. But Hashem appears to him. Vayoymer. And he says to Yitzchak, Al tered Mitzrayma, do not go down to Egypt. Shchon ba'aretz asher omar elecha, 
settle in the land that I shall designate to you. And here is the point where we understand that God is saying from the time that you were bound on the altar, you are now considered a korban tmima, a burnt offering. And like an offering, you cannot leave the Holy Land. Therefore, I'm telling you to settle in the Holy Land, which is the place where I can speak to you. And then what happens is that um, he, God launches into a whole lot of blessings that reiterate the initial blessings that were given to Abraham, his father. Hang on in there. We're going for a little bit of an ad break. When we get back, we will look at those blessings. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, and I'm Adel Kozulski, and we're learning Torah together. If you'd like to uh, ask a question, or you'd like to pass a comment, 34519 is our uh, SMS line, 0618951019 is our telegram number. So God says to Isaac, you have to stay in the land, and then he gives him tremendous blessings. He says like this, Stay in this land. I will be with you and I will bless you because to you and to your descendants I am going to give you all of these lands and I will fulfill I will keep the promise the oath that I promised or I made to your forefather, Avraham. So let's just, before we carry on, because the blessings do carry on, let's just look at this verse. It's verse 3. It's Pasuk Gimel. He says, stay in the land, and I'm going to bless you. Now, very, very interestingly, we learn a lot from the words, these lands. If you are following inside and you are actually looking at the words, Ha'aratzot is spelt with a missing vav. Normally it's Aleph, Resh, Tzadik, Vav, Ta'aratzot. Okay, and here the vav is missing. And then also from a grammatical point of view, um, Ha'el is wrong. It should read Ha'ele. And from here we actually learn a tremendous amount about the inheritance of the land of Israel. Now, Israel is very, very much connected with the Jewish people. It always has, all the way you can see uh, biblically, back to the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the way to, to today. And uh, whilst we see that Israel is always a source of contention on the political front, and, um, you know, um, it's always been disputed, save of the last four years where we had the United States and President Trump um, recognizing the fact that this land is inextricably uh, connected with the Jewish people, that Jerusalem is its capital. All of those were correct assumptions. Um, we can see that our attainment of the land of Israel came in tranches but belonged to us. So there were times that it was taken away from us due to our sins, which we are going to discuss. And there were times where we um, had some parts of it, sometimes all parts of it. Do we have the whole of the land of Israel to ourselves right now? No, we do not. That's an interesting fact. Um, 
the borders of the land of Israel are not complete. And if you you want to go look at um, <clears throat> at a biblical map of what the land of Israel looked like in times of the Bible, we also um, owned land on the other side of the Jordan River, so into the Jordanian territory. We also, um, our border on the north went up very close to Damascus, um, so um, into into Lebanon, um, the, the borders of Israel were much, much greater. So even today, when we have been bequeathed um, with, um, and been blessed with having the land of Israel back in our hands, it is not complete yet. We are waiting for Mashiach, when we will get all that is rightfully ours uh, back. And that is hinted in the word Ha'artzot Ha'el. Okay, these, 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 um, these lands. You should have read Ha'aratzot Ha'ele. So Ele is abbreviated um, to indicate that our inheritance was also abbreviated and it would not be complete until the arrival of Mashiach. So that's the first thing that we learn from these words. And then we go and ask ourselves, well, why does God say to Yitzhak Ha'aratzot and he says the word, the lands, and he actually misses a vav. Because he was actually telling Yitzchak that in fact he himself was not going to inherit all the lands that belonged to him, that the time would come that when Joshua brings the Jewish people into the land of Israel, that is when they would land up getting the, the, the lands in its entirety. So the letter vav from the word artsot is missing. Vav has a gematria of a numerical value of six, and so that was a hint to Isaac that it would take six generations until Artsot, until the lands would be given in full. Who the six generations? Well, from Yitzhak we have Amram, um, who was, sorry, from Yitzhak we had Yaakov, um, whose son, who, who passes it on to Levi, Levi passes it on to Kahat, Kahat onto Amram. Amram to Moshe, and Moshe um, theoretically gets the land, but he passes it on to Yehoshua, who goes in and conquers it in its entirety. So the words Ha'artzot Ha'el teach us two things. Number one, Yitzhak did not get the land in its entirety. He had to wait six generations until the Jews entered the land of Israel with Yehoshua. And then they conquered the land of Israel as it should have been. And Ha'el, that even at the, until the end of Mashiach, we would not have the land of Israel in its entirety. And in fact, we don't. And um, whilst the world is squabbling and telling us to give uh, land, and I'm not going to say to give, to give back land or to give away land. This land is ours. We're not giving it back. We're not giving it away. Uh, we, we are still going to get more uh, land as opposed to less. So that is a, uh, a little news break. Um, and always to keep in mind when we hear the politics of what's happening um, in the outside world. He continues then in verses 4 and 5 and says the following. So not only am I going to give this land to you and your uh, offspring, and that I will keep the promise of uh, Abraham, that filled with Abraham, but he beti et zaracha, I will make your offspring numerous. How? Kekochve hashamayim, they'll be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Venatati lezaracha et kol ha'aratzot ha'el, and I will be giving you 
all of these lands. Here again, a reiteration that Israel is not about a discussion or a vote at the United Nation, nor is it a discussion or a vote or a political opinion of any political party, including political parties in Israel. Okay, it is not something that is, is divided up and divided up by the human mind. It is something that is given to us by God. He will give to the offspring of Yitzhak, being as Kol Ha'atzotha'el, all of these lands. And every part of the land of Israel that we have received to date, and we have seen tremendous miracles, 1948, 56, 67, 73, we have, been, we, we have received these miraculously. Undoubtedly, anybody who goes and looks back at the, the history of the establishment of, um, of the land of Israel will see that there was no chance we could have won in, uh, in 1948, um, that we couldn't be victorious in 1956, no one ever believed that we'd have Jerusalem in 1967, etc., etc. The Jews and Israel have a miraculous re relationship uh, with each other. They're above nature. Um, we, we, we have the land based on our, um, on our spiritual behavior. And it is vital and it is important to remember at all times. And oh, how do I wish that the Israeli government would think that way um, and... Uh, and, and, and those that deal with, with, with Israel um, on a political forefront to understand that this comes all the way back here, that God promises us all these lands. And all the uh, sorry, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through your offspring. And here is another fundamental. Okay, unfortunately, throughout the trials and tribulations of, uh, of, of the Jewish people, or through all our wanderings, we have been persecuted, we have been tormented, we have been exterminated, we have been annihilated. Okay, we have, we have had a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism. You do not get an anti-Semitism for many, many other people, but for the Jews it is. Um, and it is, it's a double-edged sword, because the more that anti-Semitism rears its ugly head, um, it seems the very antithesis of the way that the non-Jewish world should act towards us because of this very verse, that that through the Jewish people, the, 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 the nations of the world will be blessed, meaning if they had their principles right and they had their priorities right, they should ensure the safety and the, the well-being of the Jews because through them, they too will be blessed. And we've seen that. When the Jews were given free reign, there was the golden age of Spain, and, and Spain had a tremendous amount of benefit having the Jews. Um, wherever Jews are found, there is blessing and, and there is um, the ability to flourish. And this is not something that I'm saying arrogantly. I'm saying it is just as a matter of biblical fact, that where Jews are, that's where blessing is. And it is, it is best that the Gentile world aligns themselves with the Jews as opposed to opposing the Jews. Akeb, Asher, Shama, Abraham, Bekoili, all of this is because Abraham listened to my voice, the Yishmor Mishmarti, now he, um, he describes four things that Abraham did, the Yishmor Mishmarti, he listened to my voice, 
Okay? Mitzvosai v'chukotai v'toratai. And he also kept my mitzvahs, my, my, my statutes, and my Torah. So here is a very, very, very interesting thing because we, we actually need to, to really understand what does it mean that um, all of this is because Abraham listened to my voice, he kept my, 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 my charge, he uh, kept my commandments, my decrees, and my Torah. What are all of those things? I thought we only had one Torah. Well, Yishmor Mishmarti um, really literally um, uh, explained is that he looked after that which I guarded. And so the rabbis go and explain that this is talking about the mitzvahs in the Torah that were put up in order to fence, to put up a boundary so one should not get to break a law in the Torah. Let me give you two examples. There's an example, for um, for instance, that a married man and a married woman, or and a adult man and an adult uh, girl, are not allowed to be put, to be found rather, in an, a deserted place, in an isolated place, together. It's called the mitzvah of yichud. Yichud means um, singular or solitary, they're not allowed to be left alone. So, in those who keep and are observant of this mitzvah, for example, one will not sleep in a house with a strange man. Whether you're married or not, whether the man is married or not, there always has to be um, more than a crowd. And there are intricate laws, I don't want to get into them now, but I'm giving that as an example. On the antithesis of that, one of the things where we actually go and show that Yichud no longer applies is when it comes to a chosen and kala, it comes to a bride and bridegroom. They are not allowed to uh, be together until the day they get married. And what is the first thing that we do? Right after the wedding, we put them in the Yichud room, in the room where they can be by themselves because that is a, a comment, a... a, a uh, a message that they are now rightfully man and woman and are allowed to be together. This was a commandment that was put um, down as a boundary, as a fence by the rabbis, not to allow a adult a woman to be together with an adult man because if you don't put up that fence and they are found together, it would lead maybe to adultery, and to things that are categorically not allowed in the Torah. So it's a fence around the Torah. Another example is that we are commanded to rest on Shabbat. There are a whole lot of 39 melachot that we are, we are not to do, but the rabbis also commanded us to rest, because when one has the concept of rest, one won't, because it's a boundary, one won't come to do something that one is not supposed to do. So the Yishmor Mishmarti, that he will guard my, my guardians, meaning that anything that the rabbis then put up as a gezer, as a fence around a particular mitzvah, Abraham kept those. And so, so does Yitzchak, and so does generations all the way till today. There are just extra precautions that the rabbis instituted so that we should not come to doing an actual sin in the Torah. 
So that's Yishmor Mishmarti, mitzvotai, my mitzvah. So we know that our forefathers kept the Torah, um, even though they hadn't received it. And a lot of them had to do with the civility of it, meaning that um, they didn't murder, they didn't rob, they kept all the mitzvahs of the Torah um, that were prescribed to them. Chukotai, my statutes. What is a chok? A chok is a type of mitzvah that we have no understanding for. There is no logical explanation. We can logically understand why it is good for a society not to steal and not to kill. We do not understand why we are not allowed to mix wool and linen together. Or, for that matter, meat and milk. It goes beyond human understanding. And so it says that even even when it came to Shlomo Melech, to King Solomon, who could find 70 reasons for each and every mitzvah, when it came to certain of the mitzvahs, he couldn't understand. Another is the para aduma, the red heifer. The red heifer was a completely red cow that there's, there was only nine in the whole of history. The tenth one, please God, we will have with the arrival of Mashiach. It used to be ritually slaughtered and then burnt, and its ashes were placed into a vial. And those ashes were placed on a um, on on somebody who was impure. It made absolutely no sense, no no, no logical sense, no sense of absolutely anything. Those are called chukim, and this is what Abraham also kept. He kept chukosai. And then it says vetoratai and my Torahs. It doesn't say vetorati, my Torah. It says vetoratai, which means it's in the plural. Well, how many Torahs did Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov keep? Well, for those who don't know, there is the written Torah, the Torah Shebuchtav, that's the five books of Moses, that's what we're learning right now. But there also is Torah Shebaalpeh, the oral Torah. The oral Torah is something that is written down today. But in time gone by, from the time of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, right through um, the time of, of, of our Tanayim, of our great sages that lived in the land of Israel. Torah was taught, the, the explanations behind Torah were taught by Alpeh. They were taught off by heart. There came a point in time with the Knesset HaGadola, the Supreme Court, decided to commit all of that down to writing because they knew the Jews were going into exile and they could possibly lose uh, the Masorah, lose the tradition. And so we have the written Torah and the oral Torah, both are written down. Um, but Torah Tai, my Torahs are, is, is, is what Abraham kept. So we've got four aspects of Torah. Abraham Because Abraham listened to my voice, Yishmo Mishmarti, he kept all the laws that were formed as borders around the actual mitzvahs. He kept the mitzvahs themselves. He kept the the, 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 the hooking the statutes, those that he didn't even understand, and he kept everything that had to do with the Torah Shebechtav and the Torah Shebaal Peh. Um, and that was very, very important to know that, that that was in fact very much part of the lives of our forefathers. We're off for a little bit of a break. When we get back, we're going to find out what happens in the city of Grar with King I am Avimelech. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 
Right, let's get on to the dramatic part, and this is what happens when Yitzhak arrives in Graal. So he gets the blessings from God. God tells him, do not leave the land of Israel. I know there's a famine, but I am with you. I am with you because of your forefather, Abraham, who kept all the Torah and mitzvahs, and um, you two will continue in that way. Vayeshev Yitzhak Bigrar. Yitzhak settles in the city of Gerar. And here we have history repeating itself. The, the, the people of the place asked his wife, like, who's his wife? What? Who's this woman? And he said, He too said, Rivka is my sister. Because he was afraid. Because he was scared to say that she is my wife. Pen Yaharguni Anchehamakom Al Rifka Kitovas Mare He because lest the the local men then would kill uh Yisrael because of Rifka because she was so good looking. This is history one uh, repeating itself. He had as much a beautiful wife as Sarah and again because it was the custom then not to just simply commit adultery but to kill the guy. Just get rid of him and then take the, um, um, the spouse for the wife. He went and lied and he said, she is my sister. Okay. He was very, very apprehensive, Yitzchak. Um, and what we also know from the Midrash was that, in fact, Yitzchak and Rivka were given, were, were, were hosted by Abimelech in Abimelech's palace. And they were given rooms right next to Abimelech's own chambers. Now... Vayehi, and it was, ki sham hayamin, when Yitzchak had been there quite a long time, vayashkev Abimelech melech pishtim ba'ad hachalon. Abimelech, king of the pishtim, once looked out of his window, vehine Yitzchak mutzachek et rivka ishto. Yitzchak was laughing and playing, or having fun with Rivka, his wife. Now, this is very, very interesting because it does not mean, I'm putting in, I'm underlying it, it does not mean that Yitzchak and Rivka were having marital relations. Um, it was during the day. Um, and even if they normally would do so, generally marital relations are mandated at night, not during the day for modesty reasons. And even if they were normally doing so, they would never, ever have done such a, uh, an intimate act where Avimelech could see them. So what is the Torah talking about? That he sees Yitzchak Mitzachek et Rivka Ishto, that uh, Rivka, that Yitzchak, sorry, was having fun with Rivka, his wife. So the Midrash says a very interesting thing, that what actually happened was Avimelech was watching them from the window, and he just watched the way they behaved with each other, and he realized from that they were in fact man and wife. Um, another commentator goes and says that he was looking out of the window because they had been there such a long time and he was wondering to himself it, that it was so strange that Yitzhak was such a successful man. He, he had so much going for him. Why wasn't he married? And so he was like watching him through the window to go and see that maybe he could pick up some strange behavior that would explain why he wasn't married. 
And then he sees the way that he's talking to Rivka, his wife, to Rivka, he understands that Rivka, in fact, is his wife. One other commentator says an interesting thing that no, he was not looking at the, out the window and looking directly on the next door uh, room or patio or wherever that he saw Yitzchak and Rivka, but looking out of the window is analogous to the fact that he was looking in the stars and he was trying to understand what was going on. And it was in the stars that he worked out that in fact she was his wife. So guess what happened? By Yikra Abimelech le Yitzchak. He calls Abimelech, calls Yitzhak by Yomer, and he says, ishtachahi, but she is your wife. This is the second time that he has been um, fooled. First time was with Abraham, now with Yitzhak. But she is your wife. Why did you say, how could you say that she is your sister? By Yomer Yitzhak, and Yitzhak says to him, Ki amarti pen I was apprehensive because I might die because of her. Again, what he was saying was that if everybody understood that she was in fact uh, my wife, you would have killed me. By Yomer Abimelech, Abimelech says, Ma zot asita lanu? What have you done to us? Ki machacha bachada am et ishtacha? Veheveta alenu asham? This would have caused nearly, nearly, it could be that one of our people would have easily lain down with your wife, committed an intimate act, and you would have brought upon us a lot of guilt. Again, the same story as Abraham. What are you doing? This is not, this is not right. By Yitzhav Abimelech, it's a Amle more. And so Abimelech commands the nation saying, Anybody who touches this man and his wife will surely die. Why does he act so quickly? Because Abimelech was punished severely when he took Sarah. And he suffered great torment. torment. You could go back in the parasha of Avayera. We discussed it in detail. And he certainly did not want a repetition of this episode. And so therefore he gave Yitzhak and Rivka royal robes. It says, the Midrash says, he placed them on fine horses. And he had his men lead them through the city announcing this man and his wife are noble individuals. And whoever dares to even drop a pebble at them, they will surely be put to death. So Abimelech closes the door on this entire and um, potentially explosive situation by coming out in the open and saying, we recognize our man and wife and do not touch them because, heck, he had been burnt before. And so Yitzchak planted in that land, in that area, and in that year, what happened? Mea Sha'arim Yimtsa. He found, um, he, 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 he reaped a hundredfold the Vachehu Hashem God had blessed him. So here is the blessing that God says, you hang around, um, I will bless you, do not go down to Egypt, I will bless you, I will give you all the blessings I gave your, your, your father Abraham, and here you can see the emphasis, by Yisrael Yitzhak, by Aretz HaHi, by Yimtzah, by Shanahahi, he, he uh, planted in that area, in that year. Why the emphasis of that year? Because, guys, 
there was a famine. In that year, that land was not giving anything to anybody. And so it was completely apparent and understood that in that year, in that land, God had in fact uh, blessed Yitzhak. He had an extraordinary crop, uh, uh, crop and we're actually told that um, that that Yitzhak was very, very careful that uh, he tithed all his belongings and um, when he after he tithed, he took the money that he earned selling them, he bought grain and from this grain he replanted again and the entire crop was given to the poor. But in the merit of all of this, just like his, for, like his father Abraham, he became unbelievably wealthy. Unbelievably wealthy. And this really was a completely open miracle. We're going to wrap up just after the short break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, we're going to wrap up and we're going to wrap up kind of the way history repeats itself. What happens when you have a situation that the Jewish people find themselves and they prosper in a land? Well, by Yidal Ha'ish, man prospered. By Yelech Haloich, he continually flourished. The Gadal Ki Ad, Ad Ki Gadal Me'od. He flourished until he was unbelievably great. By Yilo Mikne Tzon, he had flocks of sheep. Mikne Bakar, and he had flocks of cattle. The Avoida, he had a large retinue. The Avoida robber, a large retinue of slaves. Some say it was a lot of, of, of companies, a lot of business. And what was the result of, of Yitzhak being unbelievably wealthy? The Philistines became very jealous of him. How jealous did they become? They would say that the manure of Yitzhak's donkeys was worth more than Avimelech's gold. And they started considering Yitzchak obviously more wealthy than their king. And why do they use that saying that the, the manure of Yitzchak's donkeys was worth more than the whole of Avimelech's gold? Because some, a number of the Philistines had obtained some of the manure that Yitzchak used to fertilize his fields. And when they made use of it, they had unbelievable bumper crops. So they received more from the manure than from the king's treasures. At first, everybody was very pleased, but as time goes by, human nature gets transformed into intense jealousy at the success of the outsider. That's where we're going to stop. We did 14 verses today. You can look them over again. Um, chapter 26, verses 1 to 14. And uh, you're going to have to stay with bated breath. I will be back in this position, in this seat, next week, Monday, at 1 o'clock, to continue the fascinating story of Yitzchak and his interaction with not only King Abimelech, but with the people of Graur. In the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. Stay strong, stay positive, stay sane, and stay healthy. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.